Sorry for the delay with the podcast. We had a problem with recording on Sunday morning, and I just got around to taping the sermon. So you'll probably be getting two sermons in your feed at the same time. But hey, they go together. So I hope you enjoy. Thanks. Welcome to the Urban Grace Weekly Podcast. Urban Grace is an inclusive ecumenical church in the heart of downtown Tacoma, Washington, that seeks to be a spiritual home for folks from all sorts of backgrounds. Come check us out Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at the corner of 9th and Market. And of course, there are more details at urbangrace.org. Today, we begin our fifth year celebrating the season of creation, which is a month where we reflect on how God is alive in creation and how we're spiritually connected to the world that surrounds us. This year, we're going to be looking at how our relationship with the land changes the way we read the Bible and how our relationship with the land shapes how we follow God. So I actually want to start there with how we follow God. I want to ask the simple question of what it looks like to be a good Christian. If we turn to the Bible, how are we told to behave? The first place we might go is to the greatest commandment, love the Lord with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's pretty simple, but it doesn't provide much detail about how to actually do it. So in Paul's first letter, Galatians, he begins to unpack it. He writes that all the law has been fulfilled in a single statement, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes on to explain what that actually looks like. Be guided by the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I don't know about y'all, but when I got really into being a Christian, this was one of those go-to passages. Because the the fruits of the Spirit were evidence that you were living a good Christian life. In Christian circles, there were even coded language around the fruits of the Spirit. I could have told a friend, you know, I'm just a little concerned that your life's not bearing fruit right now. And my friend would have known that he should read his Bible and pray more. Which, you know, looking back feels super judgy because it was super judgy. And it was also like the zeal of a 20-year-old armed with a wonderful description of what it looks like to live a, God, a life connected to God. But when, when I read the fruits of the Spirit today, it, it does, despite the fact that I, I think this description is really beautiful, it, it feels like there's something missing or, or something we can't see because we live such different lives from the people who initially wrote and read this text. Jesus taught a bunch of people who were intimately connected to the land. They were farmers and fishermen and shepherds. Everyone in ancient Israel lived by the rhythms of the seasons. Even folks in the cities depended on the nearby land to fill their markets with food and keep their cities alive. The The divide between rural and urban life did not exist then like it does today. The the health and the well-being of the land affected every aspect of life. 
So when people read scripture, they were constantly thinking about their relationship to the land. And even more than their like physical connection, whether there was a good harvest that year, even more than that, there is a deep spiritual connection to the land that we see throughout the Bible. It begins with creation, where God forms a human by breathing into dirt. It's in the second chapter of Genesis where it says the Lord formed the human from the topsoil of the fertile land and blew life's breath into the human's nostrils. And the human came to life. You know, the Hebrew word for breath, also, it's the same word for spirit. So the first thing we learn about being human is that we are good earth mixed with the spirit of, the, of God. We're people of the land. And in fact, when, when God addresses the human, God uses the name Adam, which that's not really a name as much as it is a description. In Hebrew, Adam or Adam means dirt person. It doesn't even mean dirt man, because the word Adam carries no gender. Gender actually isn't assigned until Eve is introduced later in the story. For now, the human represents all humanity. What we learn from creation is that being human means we're created in the image of God and were created in the substance of fertile soil. As the scriptures continue, our connection to the land is central to our connection to God. Uh, one of my favorite Hebrew Bible scholars, Ellen Davis, who's at Duke, um, she explains that beginning with the first chapter of Genesis, there's no extensive exploration between God and humanity that does not factor the land and its fertility into the relationship. Said in a way that's a little bit easier to understand. Whenever the Bible talks about our relationship with God, the Bible's also talking about our relationship with the land. And, and, that, and that's evident right here in Genesis. After the human is created, God puts the human in the Garden of Eden to till and to keep it. That's uh, the words that the NRSV, New Revised Standard Version, says to till and to keep. And we often read this verse as evidence that humans get to take from the land what we need to survive. But that's not at all what's being described here. Those words, till and keep, are really specific words in Hebrew that have nothing to do with farming or hunting. These are closer to religious words. The word till means to work for, or like to serve, or even sometimes to worship. And the word keep is, it's actually more like observe, as in observe or keep my commandments. That, that, that word gets uh, also used to watch over the widow and the orphan. So a Hebrew speaker would have known right away that Humanity is given the task of protecting and preserving the land. This is religious language that makes it clear that this isn't our job, it's worship. 
Our care for the land is a part of worshiping God. And as the scriptures continue, we see that whenever humanity is disobedient, the land becomes arid and filled with thorns. But when people follow God, the land flourishes with lush growth. So, for example, take Jeremiah. And if you're not familiar with Jeremiah, uh, <laughs> Google, uh, he's one of the angriest guys in the Bible. Uh, you can uh, like Google the book of Jeremiah on Wikipedia and you will see an angry looking picture. Because uh, Jeremiah, is he's livid because the people are disobedient. But he doesn't just say, you disobeyed God. No, Jeremiah says in chapter 4, I looked at the earth, and it was without shape or form, and at the heavens, and there was no light. I looked at the mountains, and they were quaking, at the hills, and they were rocking back and forth. I looked, and there was no one left. Every bird in the sky had taken flight. I looked at the fertile land, and it was a desert. All of its towns were in ruins before the Lord, before his fury. Jeremiah describes the destruction of the earth. Because people listening to him rant would have known that saying, the land is desolate, meant, meant the same thing as saying, you're disobedient. And the opposite is also true. Uh, the, the smart people who write the books I read think that Psalm 72 provides probably the best picture of, of a world, of like an ideal version of a world where people follow God. And, and rather than describing uh, everyone following the rules, Jeremiah, or rather Psalm 72 takes Jeremiah's line about quaking the mountains and, and flips it on its head. Uh, Psalm 72 says, let the mountains bring peace to the people. Let the hills bring righteousness. Let the king bring justice to those who are poor. Let him save the children of those who are needy, but let him crush the oppressors. Let the king live as long as the sun, as long as the moon, generation to generation. Let him fall like rain upon fresh-cut grass, like showers that water the earth. Let the righteous flourish throughout their lives and let peace prosper until the moon is no more. This is a prayer that the king will succeed, but it doesn't describe riches, political conquest, or it doesn't even describe following God. The prayer is for the land because they're people of the land. And when creation is flourishing, it means they're following God. Our connection to land is actually even in the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother so that your life will be long on the fertile land that the Lord your God is giving you. Honoring your parents results in a long life where the land is fertile. And, and I suspect this is not because God's busy looking for like disobedient children and cursing their zucchinis. No, this is describing an ecology of life, a way of receiving the wisdom of your parents who teach you to love and serve the land. 
caring for creation is an essential part of following God. So when the Bible uses naturalistic language, it's not simply a metaphor or a symbol. It's a description of what happens when we live lives of faith. It, it looks a lot like the fruits of the Spirit that describe what it looks like when we follow God. You know, any time the Bible's talking about creation flourishing, it's describing what it looks like when humanity follows God. And, and speaking of fruits of the Spirit, they, they never mention caring for the land. And, like, to be fair, if, if the land were such a big deal, why wouldn't Galatians mention it? Why wouldn't we have a, a fruit of the Spirit that was like environmentalism? And now we return to the fact that we're not farmers to answer that question, because we likely think uh, of, of righteousness and our relationships with God and righteousness and our relationships with one another. But the Bible was written to people of the land whose well-being depended on the soil. They would have intuitively known that love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control would have described our relationship with the land also. They would have understood that Galatians is not only telling us to love our neighbor, but to treat the land with love to be filled with joy at all living things and to share our abundant harvest with others, to, to be at peace with the land and the moving rhythms of the season, you know, not to, to fight creation by only growing crops that make the most money, to be patient because harvesting too soon will lead to bitter fruit, to be gentle and not hurt or mistreat the land, be self-controlled and, and give thanks for what's enough rather than getting rich by overworking the land. These fruits of the Spirit, they're, they're not just about us and God. They describe a way of being with the whole world, a, a rich ecology of creation where we all live together in harmony. I, I mean, they're called the fruits of the Spirit. This isn't simply a metaphor, but an acknowledgement that faithfulness leads to growth and health for all creation. It's, it's not just in Genesis or Jeremiah or Galatians either. The, the sacred work of caring for creation is all over the Bible. But it's hard for us to notice because we don't read the Bible like a bunch of farmers who are spiritually connected to the earth. And I'm not blaming us. It's, it's not our fault that agriculture became industrialized. It's not our fault if our pastors never taught us to read the Bible through the lens of our connection to the land. So rather than being bummed about it, I hope our, our naivete can become an opportunity to see the Bible with new eyes. This will be our, our focus during the season of creation, to read the Bible as people of the land. We'll dig into an Old Testament story and a, a parable from Jesus and explore all that's waiting for us. We'll also uh, try to get really practical, and we'll have a panel on 
how we live out like racially conscious environmentalism in our city. We also, we even have an, an art project that we're doing with Lincoln High School and we'll bring our pets to church to bless them. We'll, we'll do a lot this season of creation. And that's coming in the next three weeks. But for now, let's just take it back to the basics. From the earth we came, into the earth we shall return. This is as fundamental as it gets. We are creatures of the earth, filled with the breath of God. So may this be a season where all our relationships with God, our relationships with one another, and our relationship with creation is filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. For these are the flourishing fruits of the Spirit of God. Amen.